You're listening to the Tenuto Podcast presented by me, Kevin Lynch. Here we go! Welcome to the Tenuto Podcast, where every Tuesday I'm bringing you a different interview from one of the best in the music education field. If you like the show, go ahead and give us a rating on iTunes. And you know what? I'll wait if you want to just real quick, you want to do that right now. Just, you know, go to iTunes, give it, you know, just give us a nice what, what you feel that the show deserves. But if you don't like the show, don't don't give it a rating. Just keep listening. Maybe you'll like it. This week, we have an excellent interview from a man who had a baby last Wednesday. He was so dedicated to the Tenuto podcast that he decided he was willing to do an interview two days later on the Friday, which I am so grateful for, and I'm glad that he came on. I had an excellent time interviewing him. His name is David Thornton, and he's the assistant director of bands at Michigan State University. Something that really appealed to me about David is that he recently got hired at Michigan State, so he got the job in 2015. After doing his graduate work there, he got his master's and his doctorate degree from Michigan State. But before that, he actually taught in Florida. After going to Florida State University for five years, he taught high school in Florida. And eventually, he wound up at Michigan State University. You'll hear his story about that in the interview. But one of the things that really appealed to me about David was his first-year job. And it's really similar. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know... My job right now, I'm a co-band director, so it's not assistant, but at times I'm a first-year teacher. It does sometimes feel like I'm a little bit of an assistant. I'm still working my way into feeling comfortable. Uh, And another, I really, really am learning from the two teachers I work with, and David talked a lot about that as well. He talked about when he was an assistant, he worked with two other teachers, and uh He gives some really good advice, and I really, really appreciated the fact that we could connect over that. And that's something that I was also able to connect with a little bit with Jonathan in the fact that he also works with two other band directors. Uh, It's it's more common than than I thought, and it's, it's nice for me to connect with people like that because a lot of the times my friends, they don't really understand what my job is. And uh, it's nice to connect with people who actually understand what it's like to teach with two other people so that was really really nice about david but i'll let you hear it yourself this is david thornton assistant director of bands at michigan state i hope you enjoy all right i've got david thornton assistant director of bands at michigan state university david thank you so much for coming on the show it's my pleasure i appreciate you asking me kevin now you you're from virginia about 30 minutes north of where i am in stafford um in springfield right that's correct that's where i uh, grew up uh went to high school and middle school in the area awesome and then you moved all the way down to florida for college, you went to Florida State. Can you talk to me a little bit about why you made that big leap to go all the way down to Florida, and then you ended up staying down there to teach high school for a little bit? Sure. Well, uh, my, my 
my family is kind of all from Florida. My, my, my folks grew up on the West coast of Florida and uh, my dad was in the military. So that's kind of where, or why we bounced around. Um, I was actually born in new England and, uh, we went up and down the East coast before we settled in Virginia. And so, you know, I kind of grew up, uh, loving the Seminoles, you know, in the nineties college football, I was really kind of into that. And yeah. I had a couple of cousins that, um, that were in the marching band there. And so that was my initial attraction to Florida state. So I, I auditioned there and ended up getting a little bit of a scholarship and, you know, the rest is history. As they say, I really hadn't kind of done my homework, you know, in terms of what was there, but I knew that I wanted to go somewhere, uh, that had, a good college marching band and a good football team. And the college of music was one of the best things that ever happened to me. So I'm really fortunate that I made that decision. Yeah. So were you in the marching band all four years down at Florida State? I actually did five. Um, so I did uh, music ed and clarinet performance. So I was there a little bit longer than most people. And then, uh, yeah, my last year I was the head drum major of the marching chiefs, which was a great experience and a great honor to be, you know, the leader of, of a really fine ensemble. Cool. So when you were down there, did you have these thoughts of eventually you wanted to teach at a college or, I mean, what was your, what was your plan? You know, um, there really was no specific plan. I was, I was really considering going to get a performance degree in clarinet, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, that was kind of what I had decided. And, you know, I was before my student teaching and my internship, I was still practicing pretty aggressively because I thought that I was going to take some auditions and go get a master's degree. But, um, you know, I really enjoyed my student teaching. I had some, you know, doubts about, you know, um, how I would make it professionally as a player. Um, I enjoyed playing my instrument. I just wanted to be able to support myself and my family. So that was part of my concern, but I was really attracted to the military band thing, you know, growing up in DC. Um, and that was something that I was really, I was really interested in, yeah. but I, but I also knew that I liked teaching. And so, um, I decided to stick, stick with the teaching and public school. And, you know, I made a lot of connections in Florida in my five years at Florida state. Mm -hmm. And that's what the reason why I stayed down there. My student uh, teacher, my supervisor, Cindy Berry at Lake Brantley in Orlando was terrific. And she helped me um, get networked, and I ended up teaching for one year in Melbourne, Florida, at O'Galley High School, uh, where I had two great colleagues, uh, Thomas and Laura Singletary, who taught me everything, yeah. as I like to say. And then, um, then I left after a year and got the job at Leon in Tallahassee. And you know, one thing just led to another. And you know, how did I end at MSU? Well. Um, my friend and I wanted to do some conducting workshops, and the reason why we came to Michigan State was because H. Robert Reynolds from the University of Michigan was here this summer. I didn't know anything about Dr. Set at all, and we had a, I had an amazing experience, um, and I had a really great connection with Dr. Set at all. The week was was just everything that I wanted it to be, and one thing led to another. I told him I was interested in doing a degree um, in conducting getting a master's degree and you know a couple years later I move up here and I you know led to the doctorate and led to getting hired here you know this yeah. is certainly the plan it's just kind of the way things have worked out you know it, yeah it seems like you really fell in love with East Lansing I mean you did it, your master's your doctorate and then it just happened to to be a job opened up and you you were there yeah that's exactly right. Um, you know, I, I, I went to graduate school because I was ready to, to learn again. I wanted to work and focus on myself. I wanted to become a better musician. 
you know, I wanted to have another chance at some theory and music history and some other things that I had a bigger appreciation for or a better appreciation for now. Um, and yeah, I, I came up here and I fell in love with the, with the community here. The, the college of music is terrific. Dr. Sedatal, John Madden, you know, um, all of those guys are, they're just wonderful mentors and people. And, um, so it's just really been a blessing to end up working here. And, you know, my, I had the time girlfriend, but now my wife, she moved up here as well. And she's a middle school band director. So she's uh, got a great job here. And so oh, that's we, fantastic. yeah, so it's, it's all worked itself out. Yeah. It just wasn't the plan. That's for sure. Wow. Well, that, that's great. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your first job. Um, you were an assistant band director in Florida and you said that's you were working with two other band directors. Um, what was your role in that first job? Sure. Um, well, I, uh, I should start this story with, I, my student taught at a very large high school in Orlando that had, um, close to 300 students in it. And so I was doing a lot with the high school and then, um, the, my first job in Melbourne, the Singletary's, uh, Laura Singletary was at the, was at the middle school and her husband was at the high school. And so she fed her husband directly. So the three of us were sort of a team that worked between the middle school and the high school. Okay. And, uh, my first semester in that position, uh, Laura was out on maternity leave. So I was running her 200 kids, seven, eight middle school band program. And I had <laughs> and a day in my life. And, wow. Yeah. And, you know, uh, so then in the evenings, uh, I would go over to the high school and I would, um, I would help Thomas with the marching band, but my, my normal job in the spring, when Laura was back, I was, I was teaching at the middle school and the high school every day. So I learned a lot about fundamentals. I learned a lot about teaching beginners and uh, the two of them were just incredible mentors. And a lot of what I believe now, and a lot of the techniques and things that I use and warm-ups and a lot of just about being a successful public school teacher comes from those two individuals and I'm really grateful uh, for my year with them. That's fantastic and that that really hits home with me because right now I'm in a position where I work with two other band directors as well and that's been my strategy 100% is just to get what I can from these two great teachers and that's fantastic. It's it's funny that you've had a similar experience Um, and now you're at Michigan State. So a question that I have, and I've been working with a high school band director up here, we've been working a lot with recruiting. Uh, That's a big part of a high school band program. Um, Do you find any similarities between recruiting at the high school level and the college level, or is that even something you have to worry about right now as a a college director of bands? Absolutely. Um, You know, I think think it's a little bit different. Um, I do teach a high school um, honors band that meets on the weekends here. So every Sunday for a couple hours, um, I, I direct a group, what's it's called the Spartan Youth Wind Symphony. And so um, that's an audition group. And so there's a little bit of recruiting involved with that. And then, of course, you know, um, we have a lot of students that come on campus that are interested in the marching band or interested in um, becoming a music major. And they want to know about, you know, the ensembles and being in the marching band and how does school work and a lot of those types of things. So, uh, yeah, I think I think the recruiting is similar but different. And I would say that it's similar in that recruiting is about relationships and Mm -hmm. recruiting is about um, engaging with your prospective students and 
showing them the energy that you have and the love that you have for what you do and why the community that you're a part of is the thing that they need to be a part of as well. And, uh, you know, it's no different when I was a high school band director, I would be at the middle school every day. Yeah. When I was teaching middle school, you'd go to the elementary schools and you'd get the students excited about music. You'd get them excited about high school band or middle school band, or in this case, being a part of the Spartan marching band or Spartan brass or athletic band or coming to MSU. These are why, these are the reasons why this college and community is so great. And I, I think having or understanding that the relationship part of it is really important. And the other thing too is students like to do, be a part of something that's, that's of quality or that's good. And so if it's important that you are organized, it's important that you have a plan and it's important that you um, execute that plan. And I think if you have some enthusiasm and have a love for what you do and you have your stuff together, I think all of those things create a good product and create a product that other people want to be a part of. Yeah. I, I really agree, and I really like what you said about creating relationships. I think that's so key in getting people to want to come into your program. They have to be comfortable with you. I uh, really like that. And, I, you know, I, I think one of the things that's great about MSU and things that I tried to do as a public school teacher, um, you know, John Madden, my colleague who teaches the marching band with me, he's been here for 28 years, and I think one of the things that I admire about what he's done is his sense of community that he's created, you know, the sense of a family, and the students are great advocates for the thing that they're a part of, yeah. and I regardless of the level that you teach, you want to create that environment where, okay, be a part of what we're doing, we all appreciate each other, we work hard together, and we're going to learn together and, and excel and I think that's a, a winning formula to create um, a, a great program, and it, the, the, the product speaks for itself and helps with your recruiting, like you asked. Yeah, absolutely. Now, some people may argue, especially maybe towards middle school, um, starting band, it might be, people might think that band is becoming irrelevant. If you throw on the radio, you hear all these, all these songs that none of them are using band instruments. I mean, it's all electronic. Some say times are changing. Um, what would you say to somebody who told you that band is becoming irrelevant? Well, I, I agree with you that times are changing. Absolutely. And so I think in times of change, I think it's important that we remember why we're doing the thing that we're doing and why we love that thing. So, you know, why, why was I involved in music? Why was I involved in band? What do I love about those things? And, but I also think that, you know, there are great, um, I think there is a great thing about being involved with electronic music and exploring, you know, composition or getting involved about creating music in a different way. You know, there are, there are traditional ways of doing it through orchestra, band and choir, all of which have merit. Um, but there are also great ways with the electronic music or, um, being in a different type of ensemble. All of those things I think are viable. Yeah. To get back to your question, you know, um, I think there's a sense of community that's that's being a, that's that you get in a in, in a large ensemble. I think, um, you know, there's a, a variety of repertoire that you need to be exposed to. That that you know, sort of where we learn how to create music. All of these 
the greats of the past. And I think there's a lot that can be said from being a part of something where a canon is either a hundred years or in the case of orchestra, several hundred years choir. You know, I think there's a lot that can be learned from that. So, you know, I, um, it is a, it's, a, it's an important topic to discuss, but I think that's also uh, why we as instrumental music educators need to think outside of the box sometimes yeah. and not just be confined to, this is the way a traditional rehearsal goes. You know, you can find unique ways to, engage your students you can find unique ways to get them excited about music and other using other avenues and i think that's a great thing as well but i um i think it's we limit ourselves if we say this is the only way that something should be done you know and and we don't evolve because you know that's just the world that we live in things are constantly evolving now absolutely yeah i've been i've been experimenting a little bit this year in my first year with coaching coaching basketball I'm a, I'm a big sports fan I think you touched okay. on that you said you, you like the sports teams at Florida State but it's just funny to see how similar band and and sports are you know it's, it's, it's all about teamwork and working together um, and I really like what you we, we talked about as coming together to to accomplish something I I really, yeah. really like that. I, uh, you know, I, I'm also a big Michigan State fan, and uh, <laughs> so you know, go green on that. But I will say, you know, I think one of the things that I, I love about the athletic band part of my job, specifically basketball, is because, and I can see the coach more carefully. But I love watching Tom Izzo coach, yeah. and I love watching him on the sideline, you know, what he does when certain things happen, or more importantly, what he doesn't do when certain things happen. And I think there's a lot that can be learned from sports and music. And, you know, if you're a smart, if you're, if you're somebody in this field, you know, I, my biggest piece of advice would be to keep asking questions and keep working and surround yourself around great people. And I would say that you, that doesn't necessarily have to be musicians, musicians all the time, be around people or people that are great at their craft. And Tom Izzo, you know, what he has done here over the last 29 years, 30 years, it's just been incredible. Maybe it's 20. I think he's been here 20 or something close to that. But, um, you know, the way that he interacts with his players, what he does in the community, here but all that stuff ties directly back to what we're doing absolutely yeah absolutely uh and now uh, briefly i just wanted you to touch a little bit on your session at midwest this year uh congratulations it was a great session have you had you presented before this year uh yeah my colleague matt who did that presentation with me um he I, um, we presented it at the Florida Music Educators Association conference and uh, the Michigan uh, Music Conference the previous year. And uh, so we did we, – that was the third time that we had presented that clinic before. And, um, yeah, it was a great honor to be a part of that um, – uh, to be a part of that conference. I've been going to that conference for a lot of years and to be able to share some of the things that I think have helped me and helped Matt with our teaching, you know, uh, was, it was a great honor. Yeah. What, if you could say there was one thing you wanted the people in that room to take away from it, what would it be? Well, I think it comes back to the title. So, uh, the title of our clinic was, uh, making, uh, make a decision. Your musical viewpoint is valid. And, um, you know, the, the premise of the clinic was to ju- do just that, make a decision about anything, make a decision about the music, make a decision about um, how you perhaps want to introduce the material. Um, it comes back to being prepared. It also talks a little bit, we talked a little bit about thinking about how your gesture can connect to the music and how that can lead to efficiency in the classroom. And 
not that you prescribe the, the gesture on the podium, but you do have to think about it and think about how, okay, if I show this in the music, then what kind of response might that elicit from the students? So I think the most important thing is that you do need to make a decision, but I think the other, you know, sort of big point that we made at that, at that conference was, you know, the music is the most important thing in the day, in the world that we live in and in, in public school teaching, there are a lot of things that are, that are going on. And it's the same way here. I have a lot of other things that can take up my time, but you're the expert. We are the expert, uh, for our students. And so we need to be really, uh, ready to go when we get on that podium or get in that classroom and be ready to teach the students about how to be great musicians. And yeah. Just using the repertoire or the the, the uh, you know the solo or the trio to help those students um, become better musicians, mm-hmm. and I think that's, that's an important thing to to think about. You know, is how how or think about how musically we prepare, prepared we are and how that can influence um, a, a rehearsal or a, or a semester or a year. Right, and somebody who was on the podcast before, his name is Peter Perry. He told me that. Um, he really believes that a lot of public school teaching is 60% other stuff and 40% actually teaching the music. So I think a lot of the times that's hard for us to to uh, to get into and really just remember to put the music first. Um, and it was hard for me too. Yeah, and, yeah. And there are so many things that we have to do as as teachers, and all of them, or most of them, are really important. But, yeah. you know, um, I... I have to set aside time for me to focus on the music part Absolutely. of it. And, yeah. You know, uh, I have a little more free time that I, you know, than I do than I do when I was public school teaching. But when I was teaching, I took an hour every day and I closed my email. I shut off the computer. I didn't have my phone out and I just focused on the music part and I scheduled that time. Very similar yeah. to the way that you would tell an undergraduate uh, music ed major or performance major to schedule your practice time. Okay, right. from this time to this time, I'm going to be in the practice room. It's another class that I'm taking. Mm-hmm. And you just have to make that a priority. And when I do that with my time now, my rehearsals are better, my music making is better, the students are more engaged. They're having a better time, and when I'm not as prepared as I'd like to be, I think I can see the difference in the results. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think it's so important to set aside time just to strictly focus on music and your rehearsals and and what you're going to do. 100% agree with that. And um, I've I've found that I teach the way that I've been taught. So when I was in middle school, you know, my my middle school band director, I find myself doing things that he did. Do you have a significant teacher that you've had in your life, and is there anything you try to emulate from that teacher? Well, uh, I've, I've, of course, already mentioned the Singletaries yeah. this afternoon, and both of them are were tremendous influences on me. You know, it'd be hard for me to pick pick one or or a couple. You know, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, you know, Patrick Dunnigan is the director of bands of Florida State. He was another big um, mentor for me uh, growing up at Florida State. But, you know, and also my teacher and now my, my boss here, Kevin Sedatal, who's the director of bands at MSU. Um, you know, I am so grateful for for him giving me an opportunity to be a part of not only the conducting studio as a student, but also to be a part of this team that we have here and you know, I think the thing that I've learned from him and being around his colleagues and who are now my colleagues and, you know, being in this environment is that it should always be about the music. Yeah. 
always should be about the music and, and the music needs to be the most important thing. And, and the music starts and ends with you, you know, what you bring to the table, what you, how you teach, you know, the music is important. You know, that also being said, you have to be a fundamental teacher. You know, you have to be able to teach the fundamentals and help your students, whatever the, the classroom setting is, help them give them tools to be successful. And, you know, like I mentioned that my wife is a sixth grade band director here in town. And so I love going into her classroom and teaching beginning and end with her and getting back to where it all begins and air and no, you got to sit up straight. And, you know, so the music is important, but you also need to be able to approach and think about fundamentals because fundamentals are, are the most important thing in in our area, the wind music for sure. I mean, fun and any sort of music, you have to have solid fundamentals. So, Absolutely. yeah, and that's that's awesome that you go into the that school and you know you're staying you're staying true to your roots with the middle school. You go back every now and then. I think that's I really love nice. It. I love it. That was you know I I miss I miss the beginning band component. I, yeah. When I was sitting in Tallahassee, I was still doing a little bit of beginning band uh, every day and. Um, you know, that's, that's where the fun is because what they know or what they don't know is all dependent on what you've taught them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the ones that you're teaching, it's nice that they come in with a blank slate, you know, yeah. they don't have any bad habits, but at the same time, you have to make sure you give them the good habits. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. My last question here, if you could give your first year teacher self advice, if you can think back to yourself as a first year teacher and you could go now and talk to yourself. What kind of advice would you tell yourself? Well, there are two things, and I think one of these things I did really well or I wasn't afraid to do, and the other one I didn't do. Okay. And I paid for it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, The thing that I did do and I tell my students all the time is to not be afraid to ask questions and seek advice. Um, We were just the other day here on campus – um, David Cooper, who is an alum, um, and he's from the Lansing area. He's now the new principal French horn player in the Berlin Philharmonic. He's from MSU or from the Michigan area. And he was uh, giving a master class the other day, incredible, just horn playing and incredible story about his life. And he talked about surrounding yourself with people that are going to make you better and always taking the next opportunity. And, and, you know, that resonated with me because I feel like a lot of younger teachers, uh, are hesitant to ask for help. You know, even if you feel like, you know what you're doing, have, have somebody across town, come in, have the local university professor come in, yeah. you know, go to everything that you can be a sponge, soak it up and ask questions. Um, that was something that I wasn't afraid to do. And I'm really glad that I did because it afforded me other opportunities. So asking questions and not being afraid to talk shop with somebody, you know, when we go to Midwest or if you go to your state uh, music conference or if you go to a conducting workshop, I mean, ask questions. Don't be afraid to meet people and get to know them and, you know, think, talk, talk about what we do. Talk about band. It's great. I love doing that. And yeah. That's one of the parts about, you know, going home at night is Holly and I get to talk about music and we talk about our, our uh, you know, our lives, even though they're very different. There are a lot of similarities. So, mm-hmm. so asking questions and seeking advice, I think that's really important. And then the second thing that I, I would say is, you know, in your first year of teaching, there's a lot of things that, that you're going to experience that maybe you were ready for, but also a lot of things that you weren't ready for. So, you know, um, I would say only change in your first year what you absolutely cannot live with. 
You know, there were a lot of things when I was a first year high school band director in Tallahassee that I, I, I probably changed or did something slightly different because I wanted to do it my way. But really, in, at the end of the day, it probably wouldn't have been okay to do it the way that they had done it. Yeah. And I, there were some growing pains with that. And that's all part of the process. You know, those things are going to happen. Um, but, you know, you, it takes time to change culture and community. And, and there's a reason for that. And so, um, you know. Don't be so quick to pull the trigger on certain things. Take time to evaluate and 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 then make slow changes over time. But that's a that's kind of a small thing. My biggest thing is just asking for help, seeking advice, talking to your yeah. colleagues. You know, I was on your podcast and it's so great that you had all your buddies down in Florida, I guess, all of your teacher friends yeah. and <laughs> To have a community like that, you know, even on spring break where you guys can get together and, you know, um, I used to have a group of friends would get together on Wednesday nights and talk shop and, right. you know, just talk about the ins and outs of what we're doing because everybody's in the same boat, you know, and, and I still do that now. You know, the guy that I presented with at Midwest, um, Matt Dockendorf, who teaches at University of Colorado, we probably talk. Uh, every other day and you know the the when i taught in tallahassee one of my other really good friends was the band director across town he's now teaches at university of texas ryan kelly um you know we talk yeah. constantly and we're yeah. talking share and rep and this and that and you know um That's being awesome. young learners is is fun and don't forget that that to do that i should i guess i would say yeah and i mean it's so it's so cool that you were very in, in a very similar position to me in your first year where you were working with two other band directors and what you said really hit home for me where you said um only change the things you can't live with and for me that's been a little bit of a struggle too because I, you know there are things that i want to do my way um sure. and it's not it's not mine you know it's their program i you know i really i really appreciated that that was that was great um there's one last part of every interview I do. It's called rapid fire. And okay. the way it works is I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and I just want you to rapidly fire out answers. The first thing that pops into your head, I just want you to throw it out there. All right. Don't, uh, don't scare me here. <laughs> all right. That'll be nice and easy. All right. All right. Sounds good. Here we go. Um, what is your dream car? Uh, BMW M3. Okay. What is your favorite Michigan State marching band stands tune? Neck. Neck. Okay. Awesome. Dream vacation. I want to go to Bora Bora. Bora Bora. Awesome. Have you... Okay. Tell me about your morning routine. I get up early, generally go to the gym before school, but I'm an early riser, so... Okay. What is, uh, what is early? Yeah, well, uh, a lot of times I'm in the gym at six, okay. which allows me to kind of get to the school around seven thirty, which gets me a parking spot right out in front of the building, which nice. is very important. Nice. So, uh, you know, I would much rather get up early as opposed to, uh, staying up late. But now that the baby is here, that may, uh, <laughs> that may change my routine a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So congratulations on having a baby and also coming on the podcast after that's dedication. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, oh, what's, my what's, wife will, will give me uh, a nice smile when I walk through the door. Here. <laughs> what is your baby's name? Uh, her name is Taylor May. Awesome. And when yeah. what day was she born? She was born uh, two days ago. So that would be the 26th of April, uh, 1050 at night. So like I said, she wow. was born. You know, 11, I'm normally in bed way before 10, <laughs> 10 
<laughs> oh, man. Well, David, congratulations on the baby, and thank, thank you, you so much for coming on the show. That was fantastic. I appreciate it, Kevin. Thanks for the invitation. All right, and that was the interview with David Thornton. David, thank you again for coming on the show and, and spending your time with me, even in the midst of having your own child. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. I want to leave you guys with this. Uh, it's a quote from John Wooden. He's a famous basketball coach, and me and David had talked a little bit about Michigan State basketball coach Tom Izzo. So John Wooden says, Make each day your masterpiece. And this might hit home with some of our art people that listen. He says, when I was teaching basketball, I urged my players to try their hardest to improve on that very day to make that practice a masterpiece. And I think it's so important to try to make each day that we're teaching artistic and make each, each lesson we teach a masterpiece, a true masterpiece. Too often we get distracted by what's outside of our control. And the thing is, you can't do anything about yesterday. The door to the past has been shut and the key has been thrown away. You can also do nothing about tomorrow if you think about it. It's yet to come. However, tomorrow is in large part determined by what you do today. So make today a masterpiece. You have control over that. I'll see you guys next Tuesday.